our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Now, before we get into the episode, we want to thank our season sponsor, Rentap. Paying rent is a hassle, but what if we told you there's an easier and more straightforward way? Meet Rentap, your ultimate rent paying sidekick. No more ATM trips, no more checks, and no more app juggling. Rentap deposits your rent directly into your landlord's account hassle free. Plus, it's free to you, and your landlord doesn't need an account either. But here's the kick Rentap doesn't just stop at rent. They're all about helping you build a brighter financial future. There's even an option to report rent payments to boost your credit score, making home ownership more achievable. For our GTI listeners, we've got an exclusive deal. Use our referral link rent.app slash GTI for $50 cash back on your first rent payment. Ready to simplify? Check out the referral link in the description or head over to rent.app slash GTI and make rent a breeze. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sam and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hello, hello. Hi, Sonia. Hi. How are you? No, we're not doing that. I want to get into criticizing. You know what? That's fair. This week we are talking about what we would do if we had a thousand dollars and how we would invest it. And to keep it interesting, because we keep getting asked this question, people will be like, how would you guys invest a thousand dollars? And before we get into the nitty gritty, I thought, you know what would make this interesting? If we shared what we would do and then the other person would just like critique the heck out of it. Because what's fun in just talking? Yeah. When there's drama, it's better. (laughs) I will say, I feel like I always start the episodes and I'm like, I'm going to criticize, okay? I'm going to really double down. And then the feedback that I get is that I'm too nice. No one said that to you. I said that to me and that's what matters. My opinion of me and how (laughs) I perform is what matters the most. I don't think anyone has ever been like, Sonia's too nice. She needs to tough it out a bit. (laughs) Actually, a few people have, but It doesn't apply here. I wanted to take a hot minute and just quickly say that if this is your first episode that you're listening to and you feel like you're a beginner in investing and you want to dip your toes in it and you don't really know where to start, firstly, you're in the right place. A lot of people start from episode one and work their way through the episodes, but I feel like what we're talking about today, more people are going to be like, oh, I wonder what they'll say. I wonder what they'll invest in. I kind of want to be inspired. And 
hey-ho, we are an education platform and I completely get that. But I just want to, for the record, state that before you dip your toes into it and you're on your personal finance journey, if you want to look into getting your ducks in a row first before investing, looking at any high interest debt that you have, building up your savings, doing all of that stuff before. But at the end of the day, I can't tell you what to do. And this is definitely not a personal finance advice podcast. I love you so much, FMA. I'm your biggest fan. So at the end of the day, you can do what you want. But I just thought that should be said first. That's actually really worth mentioning. And if you are listening in and you're thinking, okay, like, is Sim and Sonia going to tell exactly what they invest in? No, this is not that episode. This is not us saying this is what we do. This is us saying if we started again from zero, maybe this is how we'd begin. It shouldn't also be taken as what someone else should do, because unless you are our age and make the exact same salary as us and have the exact same debt as us and have the same risk profile as us, unless you live our lives, like it is so hard to say that this is the right thing to do for yourself. You might be inspired by it and use it as a platform to jump off and research more and go, oh, I like some of the things that they're doing. Let me go and do a little bit more data analysis and decide what I want to do. But I would hate if someone listened to this episode and said, okay, this is the perfect portfolio and this is how I should be investing and I won't lose money if I invest this way because that is not the purpose of this episode. However, Sonia, are you ready to hear what I would invest in if I had $1,000? Yes. Tell me all the things. I'm ready. Okay. If I was beginning with $1,000, I would split my $1,000 into three different buckets. And I'm going to say that because I am 26, almost 27, I'm going to put bucket A. Bucket A is going to have, let's say, $800. And bucket B is going to have $100. And bucket C is going to have $100. So these are my three buckets. And now my three funds that I'm going to invest in, because I don't think I want to start with individual companies. I feel like I don't have the time and the research, even as someone that does this for a living, I can't say I can choose like the best shares to invest in that won't drop in value. I mean, I used to think Apple was like foolproof. And only two weeks ago did China announce that all their government workers are not allowed to use iPhones and Apple shares dropped like 10% in a day. Like that's just like the impact of investing in an individual company. You think they're going to be foolproof and even Apple can struggle. So my first fund that I would be putting majority of my money into is the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund ETF. It is like an S&P 500 fund, but rather than investing in the top 500 companies in the US, I invest in this fund because it invests in every single publicly traded company in the US, which is around 3,839 companies. So yes, it includes Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and Tesla and all these large companies that move the market. But then you've also got some smaller publicly traded companies. You've got Crocs. I mean, Crocs is not that big. You've got companies that are like the next Zoom, the next emerging companies. And what the difference between this fund is compared to something like VOO compared to like an S&P 500 fund is this invest not just in those big large top 500 companies but also in some of the smaller ones and so you're going to have more higher risk and slightly higher returns than an S&P 500 very marginally maybe like 0.5% higher and it's also going to drop lower when the market drops but overall when you compare this fund to the S&P 500 it just ever so slightly performs better so that's where I'm going to put $800 
Any thoughts so far? I just think it's fun. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, I actually love that you're splitting up the 1,000 and you're allocating a certain amount to each. Very thorough, very you, and off the bat, I'm loving. Thank you. Do you approve? (laughs) I do approve. I also really, really want to know now why, like, that company can't use Apple phones. Oh, it's the Chinese government. Oh, they were like, you know what? Apple are probably spying on us. Oh my God. All the Samsung users listening to this are going to be like, see, see, (laughs) no, this does not make me want to go out and buy a Samsung. (laughs) I'm sticking with my iPhone. I don't think Samsung wants us. And that's fair. (laughs) So that's my first fund. I put $800 into that. The second fund where I'm putting $100 into is VEU, which is the Vanguard FTSE All World EX US ETF. And you might be listening to this and going, did you just have like an aneurysm simran? And the answer to that is no, that is just what it is called. The Vanguard FTSE All World EX US ETF is basically a fund that invests in all companies in the world, a large number of companies, excluding the US. So that's why it's got the EXUS in it. So it tracks the performance of the FTSE All World Index. That's about 3,715 companies. And it just gives me a little bit of a broad exposure to what we like to call emerging markets. I don't like using the word developing and it's not really used in the investment world anyway. So you've got some developed countries and again, not a fan of it, but developed countries like the UK or like Australia, you get investments in those countries and then also emerging markets like China and India and Taiwan. And the fact that it doesn't include the US companies just means you're not doubling up. Like I don't want to invest in my first fund and have some shares in Apple. And then this next fund, fund number two, also has shares in Apple. It just doesn't seem to make sense. And so this is not something that I want to put all my money into. I feel like emerging markets and the larger markets, yes, they're great, but they don't really have the top companies in the world, out of the top 10 companies in the world, nine of them are in the States. And so that's why majority of my investments are going to be in fund A. Now, the last one is the Vanguard Total Bond Market ETF. So this is just an ETF, another fund, but rather than shares, it's got bonds. And so bonds are less risky. Bonds also have less reward. And this ETF tracks the Bloomberg US Aggregate Float Adjusted Index, which It's just a fancy way of saying invest in lots of different types of bonds. So you've got bonds in the US that are government bonds, you've got corporate bonds, treasury, of course, government, mortgage-backed bonds, and asset-backed securities. What I like about this is this has short-term, long-term, and medium-term maturities in excess of one year. And so this portfolio is really good for people that have an intermediate duration or an intermediate interest. This is not me saying I've got $1,000 and I want to make money tomorrow or within a year. This is my portfolio if I was investing for a minimum of 10 years. So that is what I would do with (laughs) $1,000. Clap, clap. I don't want to clap because I don't want to bust anyone's eardrums, but we love. The only criticism I have is that you refer to the UK as a superpower in the world while talking about developed. And I know you've made those disclaimers. And this is just off the back of me watching an interview on the news. 
Can you share this interview? <laughs> I really do need to because I rewatched a particular part of the interview so many times. It went viral on TikTok as well. But it's essentially like this BBC news broadcaster interviewing not China and China spokesperson. And he just let them know, like, you know, China doesn't look at the UK as a superpower, as an enemy, as a competitor. And I think it just made me realize how much the UK has fallen off. Fallen off what? Just the respect bandwagon around the world. Oh my God. Comparatively to history. (laughs) That's my only criticism. With everything else, with the allocations, with what you believe in, and like I feel like you've smartly allocated like 800, 100, like you've done everything right in my eyes. I mean, look, there is a lot of really popular companies in the UK that have done really well. I mean, you've got AstraZeneca. I mean, that company had done so much for the COVID pandemic. You've got, of course, Barclays. You've got Vodafone. (laughs) It's like a different era of time. It's still not over. You've got Barclays. You've got Tesco. You've got things like the National Grid, Sonia. Do you think the National Grid is not important? No. I'm kidding. (laughs) Do you think the British don't need like electricity? Those electricity companies, they have been updating their prices like nothing else. I have a friend in London, her energy bill went up like 300%. Yeah. England is notorious for having, or the UK in general is notorious for having really, really high power bills, huh? I'm just saying. So invest in the energy companies. There we go. They're ripping money off just innocent citizens. Why wouldn't you want to invest in a company like that? That is literally not what I meant. Love the UK. That is not what I meant. That's exactly what you meant. All right. How do you invest $1,000? I'm going to rip into you like 20 (laughs) times harder now. (laughs) Guys, uh, and that's fine because I didn't actually criticize you. I criticized a whole heap of countries instead. Okay, guys, I like talking smack and then I know Sim's not going to go easy on me, but when I thought about this, I thought about lying. (laughs) I thought about being my alter ego and being fun and like quirky and different, you know, not Sonia. I thought, you know, my first investment, and I've talked about this before, was like $400 into Apple. You know, baby Sonia knew about Apple, loved their products, loved Steve Jobs. And I was just wanting to invest in a company that I believed in, which I did. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increase revenue, expanded reach, and enhance customer experience. It's a win-win-win. 
To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Future Sonia, present day, if I had saved up $1,000 of my hard-earned money, I'm not allocating different amounts to different funds. I'm just going to hone in and put my whole $1,000 into none other than the Standard & Poor's 500 index. I know what you're thinking. Like she's just so basic, wise and smart and like she researches and like it's, I get it, I get it, but it's all calmed down for a hot minute. Also, (laughs) if you are a loyal listener, Mm. you'll probably just roll your eyes and I can only apologize. But for those of you who don't know, again, for those people who this is the first episode that you're listening to of us, the S&P 500, it's the 500 leading US companies. And Sim actually said something in her little spiel that the top 10 companies in the world, nine of them are from the US. So Thanks for helping me make my point again. But I think investing in the top 500 companies, companies like Apple, it includes NVIDIA, includes Microsoft, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, Walmart, United Health Group, all of these solid companies. And I don't need to go in and individually invest. I'm just investing in this ETF that does the hard yards for me. Diversification off the bat, hun. I also think that there's no cons. You think there's no cons? Okay, hold on. I didn't mean to word it like that. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really appreciate your tone and the way that you said that. So if you have something to say, go. Are you done? I can be. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) My apologies. Please finish. No, I am finished. So you just invest in the S&P 500? With the $1,000, yeah. Okay. So you're like a very aggressive investor? Like no bonds? No. Here's the thing. I just want to take a step back. She has no debt. She has no credit card debt. She has her emergency fund. And then I have another savings account that I can pull from more readily. My strategy, girl, is I'm in it for the long run. You know, this is my first $1,000, sure, but I'm going to continue investing and building my portfolio, but this is my first $1,000. This is your foundation? Yeah. I think the pros of what you've said is that you're already diversifying. You're putting it in something easy. It's not that hard to manage. You're just clicking one button, you know, like it's one fund. It's one button. It's just simple. I just want to make it very clear that it's not like standard and pause is like. (laughs) It's like having one kid. (laughs) It's just like having quintuplets off the bat, you know? No, it's not. It's like having one child. One pregnancy and done. One and done. Just like keep it simple. We're not interested in anything else. No, these are not good analogies. But I wanted to say, (laughs) I just want to make it clear that standard and pause isn't like, oh yeah, the top 500 companies, you know, this company's gone viral on TikTok. Let's include them in this ETF. There is a clear set of rules and regulations and criteria for these companies to hit for them to be a part of the S&P 500. These are reputable companies that have been around for a while. It's a diverse group of companies. It's not just 500 tech companies. It's not just 500 healthcare companies. They've got a good range. And that's why in my examples, I use some tech, some electric vehicle, some 
you know, Walmart, you've got the healthcare group. Like I just feel like it is diversification on top of diversification. I definitely think it's diversified. I completely agree with you there. This is my criticism. My investment, it's not to say that mine is better, it's just different. My fund A has 3,000 companies. Fund B has 3,000 companies. I'm investing in 600 companies. Do you think it's better to invest in 500 or 6,000? 500 companies that I know and I believe in and that are reputable. Can you name all 500? I mean, I could name five. (laughs) (laughs) Can you name all 3,000 companies? Absolutely not. Miss Ma'am, who was like, most of these companies are in emerging markets. Why are you holding that against me? That's just a fact. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That was my own criticism of your whole thing. Are you done with my criticism for that? I think it's amazing that it's easy to remember. I think it's amazing that it's just like you keep it simple. You're not going to get scared of investing if you're starting off with one thing. You're not like managing or juggling, you know, five different things. And you're not going to be tempted to like buy more because if you start off with like three like me, you might be wondering, well, oh my God, like fund B is doing better than fund A. Maybe I should invest more there instead of like $100. I should have put like 40%, like $400 into that. Correct. Yeah. It's just too overwhelming, you know? Yeah. It's a bit overwhelming. And so I like that about it. I think it's just the diversification is obviously lower. So that's just like one critique. But I guess my second critique is it's also just one country. You're assuming, I mean, I assume it too, but You're assuming that the U.S. doesn't have any instability. That is not what I'm saying at all. I think comparatively in the stock market. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that. (laughs) And that's my reasoning. And you should believe me, okay? Why are you asking me to justify my answers? (laughs) You should just believe me. I think you should go into law. I think you should be a lawyer. Thank you. I think so too. <laughs> Your Honor, why won't you just believe me? <laughs> Look at me, I'm trying. If I cry, would that help? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, I actually like yours. I do. I'm just obviously being an ass. I like mine as well. And I think it's quite interesting that we ended up coming with different answers completely. Like it goes to show, I think we're quite similar. Sonia and I have similar amounts of risk tolerance. We have similar amounts of like energy to put into the market. We have similar amounts of, I guess, responsibilities relating to our families and our futures, even the like goals that we want and when we want to retire, all very similar. And so it just goes to show you can have two people that are so similar and yet have such different things of what they do with $1,000. Then mind you, I do have a lot more debt than you. They're houses. It's like two houses, but it's like 900K worth of debt. But okay, you know what? Just let me have it. Fine. I'm not going to point out that you are adding another layer of diversification with being in the property game and you don't only own one house in New Zealand, you own two, but yeah, sure, you're in more debt than me. I did have a close second answer if you want to hear it. Oh, I would love to. Thank you. Thank you so much. Another option that I thought about and it, I say close second, but it's pretty much the first and something that I'm considering more of lately. From a cultural perspective, I know I don't mention it in every episode, but I am a brown woman. I'm South. I was going to say, are you brown? (laughs) I'm brown, but not only am I brown, I'm South Indian, I'm Malayali, I'm from Kerala. And the more I think about like home and I think about investments and I talk to my family, the more I want to invest in gold, like solid gold, 
straight from my home state. And I think culturally, and a lot of South Asians can relate to this, but you can really use gold and pass it down to like, I don't have kids, like my nieces and nephews and my cousins and people that I care about. You can give it to me. I can give it to Sim, Sim's kids, you know, if Again, if you don't decide to have kids, I'll just give it to you, obviously. I honestly just meant give it to me. (laughs) But you can use it for like different ceremonies. And when push comes to shove, if I really, like I get into like a dire situation and I just need like cash in my hand, I can sell it. And so I think Mm. that's a huge motivation. I think I want to do that fairly soon. So, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Would you invest in gold as an ETF or like physical blocks of gold? I don't even know if it's like blocks. I'm thinking more like solid gold jewelry. Jewelry? Nice. That are like 100%, you know, gold. They're weighty because in, you know, every, it's not just blanket Indian weddings. Every state has different ways of doing things. But in, you know, South Indian Malayali Hindu weddings, you wear a lot of gold. Mm-hmm. Like it's like gold from like top to bottom, belts around your saris, necklaces, bangles, anklets. Like it's like a huge thing that I would wear and want to see, like give to my cousins as like a keepsake. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, your mum's jewelry, your grandma's jewelry, like having that passed down. They're very valuable for a lot of sentimental reasons, but also like when push comes to shove, you can, what are they called? Pawn shops? What? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I misheard you. (laughs) P-A-W-N. Just for those who, I have a New Zealand accent as well, (laughs) but you can go to a shop and sell it. So I think that's a great idea and it definitely adds diversification. And for those that maybe aren't aware, gold also is a great hedge against inflation. So when your shares, when Sonia's 500 companies in the US drop significantly because interest rates are going up and inflation's going up, her gold shares or the value of her gold will increase. And that helps the very undiversified country-wise investment portfolio that she has. You really needed to get that in there, didn't you? I'd love to know if you're listening to this episode, which portfolio would you choose? I think both have so many pros, so many cons. I think there's a con to being so diversified. Like now that I look at mine, 6,000 companies, like that's $1,000 across 6,000 companies. We're looking at like cents in some of these companies that you barely know that you barely know and you're really just hoping that the entire world does well so definitely pros and cons to both (laughs) but i hope you enjoyed this episode if we've been able to provide any value to you if you've ever learned something from girls that invest we ask one thing please take a screenshot put it up on your instagram story share the episode with a friend that could benefit It helps us spread the message across and it helps us get more investors into the world. Also, if you didn't know, we have a newsletter. If you want like your investing news, just quick, cheerful, fun little email once a week. We drop on Tuesdays. You can find that in our Instagram bio too and in the show links. So sign up for that too. All right. See you next week, Sonia. See you next week, Sim. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer. 
Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team, bye.